from San Diego, California, it's the Frug Life Podcast with your host, Ricky Hershey. Welcome to the Frug Life. Some people have been asking me lately, Ricky, what is going on with the price of Bitcoin? Bitcoin was about $13,000 at the end of October, and now near the end of November, it is around 18-ish thousand dollars a Bitcoin, which is about a $5,000 increase. And it actually was a little bit higher just a few days ago and has dropped down just slightly now. So some people have been asking me, what's causing this? One potential answer is that the market is looking for ways to reduce inflation risk. So as you may know, the Federal Reserve has been, quote, printing money. Now, I, I hate the terminology printing money because the Federal Reserve doesn't print money. That's the Treasury. But they are figuratively printing money in the sense that they are buying securities out of the market and giving institutions cash. And so there is new cash in circulation that wasn't before. Now, of course, this cash is digital, right? It's not physical currency. It's just credited into various institutions, federal reserve accounts. Now this is taking place in two forms, regular open market operations and something else called quantitative easing. Actually, these topics are like a whole hour lecture at least on their own. But in essence, it's what I described a second ago. The federal reserve buys securities from institutions and gives them money, dollars, which puts more money into circulation, into the economy. There's a problem, though, and that is when more money enters the economy, but the level of goods and services remains constant, that means that those goods and services are just worth more money. And that is, at its heart, inflation. We can see this in other countries in the world. Uh, Post-war Germany, they just started printing Deutschmarks and more and more and more, and eventually the money became so worthless people would just burn it to stay warm. So just printing more money may not help the economy. It may just cause inflation. And we've seen that in modern examples too. I think uh, Zimbabwe is an example of this. I believe they had, uh, what, a $10 trillion note or $10 trillion, um, whatever their currency was called. And now their currency is gone because they couldn't run it effectively. So now they just use the currency of other countries. So when the United States started increasing its money supply, some people began to get worried. And so they looked for assets that are protected from inflation. We can also see some further evidence of this by looking at tips. So tips are treasury inflation protected securities. And so as inflation increases, these tips are protected. Getting into why is a little beyond the scope of this episode. But if we look at the yields on tips, we can see people's inflation expectations. And those yields right now are negative, meaning people are so afraid of inflation that they're willing to buy a security with a negative yield. Right now, the quote I'm looking at for a five-year tips is 1.3. So you are paying 1.3%. For the privilege that if inflation takes place, you'll have a security that is protected from it. But you, I mean, you're still paying for it at this point. If inflation does rise, then there may be some nominal return. 
So I've established that there is a great fear of inflation in the market now. And I think one could logically conclude that investing in cryptocurrency may be appealing to somebody who's afraid of inflation. Now, why is Bitcoin potentially good against inflation? Well, the supply of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies is set. Not that the amount is set right now, but as new currency is mined, it's mined and added in a predictable fashion. And eventually there will be a hard cap on, on Bitcoin and some other cryptocurrencies, that there can't be more than a certain amount in circulation ever. And I think that fear of inflation is what drove the price of Bitcoin up. Now, why is it going down right now? That's a good question. The markets are fickle. There's no way to tell what they're going to do. A lot of times the markets will overreact a bit that they just keep going and going and going and they go just a little bit too far. And then there's a little bit of correction after the fact to get it back to where it should be. There's one other indicator I wanted to speak on today, and that is the Buffett indicator. And all it is is a comparison of the stock market to GDP. Now, why might you make this comparison? Well, recently the stock market has been going up and up and up, while the economy looks worse and worse and worse, which is a little bit odd. And probably eventually the two are going to have to come more into alignment. As you might know, Warren Buffett is a value investor. So he looks at companies with good fundamentals. So he likes companies that make money now as opposed to companies that might make money in the future. And so companies that aren't presently making money now, but have large growth expectations and are expected to make a lot of money in the future are more growth-oriented companies, as the names imply. So the one weakness I would say with comparing current stock prices to current GDP, it doesn't factor in growth expectations, as companies are expected to grow and produce more money that is already factored into the stock price, whereas GDP doesn't consider that. GDP is just a picture of the economy right now. But getting back to my point, the Buffett indicator is at a peak right now, and it hasn't been this high since right before the big dot-com crash. So that is a little bit of a troubling indicator. Even though I just gave a reason why it may not be terrible, it's not great. And so I think there are some people, myself included, who don't really know what's going to happen in the U.S. stock market in the near future. I mean, nobody does. But some people are concerned about a downward trend. Ultimately, I wouldn't act very differently despite knowing this. I'm still investing in my 401k, as always, but I am holding back on some of my non-tax-advantaged accounts. Beyond that, though, I also have a need of cash in the near future. I am planning on buying a house in the near future, which also would serve as an inflation hedge of sorts as home prices tend to increase with inflation. If you recall earlier in the episode, we talked about what causes inflation, and that's an increase in the supply of money while goods and services stay at the same level. And so homes are one of those things that would be included in the, the goods and services bucket. People need places to live. And so it's possible homes will keep place with inflation. Now, of course, it's also possible that homes will go down in price like they did before in the Great Recession. Who's to say? 
Lastly, you could also invest in something like gold and silver. Those also serve as inflation hedges. So I also personally own a very, very small amount of precious metal ETFs. So these are exchange-traded funds that purchase gold and silver and hold them. It's a little harder to manage your own private gold and silver wealth. Although I suppose you could always be like Scrooge McDuck and have a big vault of gold coins in your house. There's an old rule of thumb that an ounce of gold should buy a high-quality suit. And apparently some people say this even goes back to ancient Rome, when an ounce of gold was enough to buy a top-of-the-line toga. Take that with a grain of salt, perhaps. But actually, I think this rule of thumb is a bit true. You can use an ounce of gold to buy a top-of-the-line suit. The spot price of gold at time of recording is $1,800 about. So actually, that's a pretty nice suit. So maybe gold is worth a little bit more than it should be. But in either case, the idea is that gold maintains its value even in times of inflation. Now, why gold? That is another story entirely. But chemically, gold is a remarkably stable element. It doesn't react to many other elements. Perhaps I need to have someone involved in chemistry on the show to explain this a little bit more. But gold just sits there and does its thing. It doesn't oxidize like iron or copper, which patinas. And so for years, centuries, gold has been a go-to for store of value. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, this isn't investment advice. I'm just giving general education. So thanks for listening to today's episode. And thank you to my coworker, Ray, for giving me the idea to do this episode. Thanks, Ray. If you want any topics covered on the show, please reach out to me. You can reach me on social media. All of my social media will be in the show notes or, I don't know, any way that you can get a hold of me. I'm happy to make your ideas into an episode on the show. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay frugal. Would you like to get, now would you enjoy getting a weekly email from me with my five big takeaways for the week? I call it my five bullet Thursday. Well, you need to sign up for the Frug Life newsletter. And actually, there's not five bullet points. And no, it's not weekly. I'm just poking fun at Tim Ferriss. Anyways, go to www.thefruglife.com and look for join the newsletter at the top. Otherwise, a link will be in the show notes.